Welcome to Back Chat with Miss Barbecue, your friendly neighborhood drag queen. Tonight, I have with me in our studios one of the most prominent members of the downtown LA gay scene, the owner of Redline, and the president of Proud Fest Downtown LA, Oliver Luke Alpucci. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. You're welcome. What is your background, Oliver? Before I opened Redline, I worked for Nike for many, many years as a visual merchandiser and a GM. Okay. So my background is in retail. Okay. Are you originally from Los Angeles? Yeah. I'm one of the unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) I swear. Born and raised in Los Angeles zip code. Not... The Valley, not anywhere else. Grew up writing Los Angeles as my address. Oh, wow. Where'd you grow up at? Highland Park. Okay, okay. When did you come out, by the way? People ask me that, and I'm just like, I don't think I actually ever came out. Well, I have an older gay brother, and then I have an identical twin that was gay. So my older brother came out. I saw kind of how that was with my parents, and it was not good for a month or two. But I remember my mom asking, are you like your brother? I'll just die. And I'm like, nah, no, you won't. You'll just suffer depression for a little while, but you'll be okay. <laughs> that was me coming out. That was it. <laughs> so, How many kids in your family? There's six boys. Really? Yeah. I'm the teams. oldest of six. You are? Yeah. I'm the youngest of six. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We called ourselves the Black Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> what would that put us? I don't know. It's more like cheaper by the dozen for us. Is it? We are like all boys. What's your gay twin's name, and are you close? Dominic, and we are close. Does he come to Redline? He does. People think I'm the rudest person. I swear it's not me. If I don't say hi, it's not me. It's him. He probably doesn't know you. <laughs> Blame it on it a twin. It happens all the time. Blame it at, on the twin. I was at Redline on Tuesday, so I took a day off, and he helps me out when I need a day off. Okay. So he met some people on Sunday. Everything was great. They came back on Tuesday. I don't know who they are. And they started talking to me. And they thought I was him the entire time. And they thought I was rude. I was like, no, sorry. I've never (laughs) met you before. Now, you're the owner of Redline. Mm -hmm. One of three gay establishments in downtown LA. It's been a long time coming. A long time coming. There's Bar Mattachine and there's Precinct. What elements did you really want to bring as a gay establishment in downtown L.A.? I've lived in downtown for almost eight years now. So I grew up in L.A., and when I spread my wings and flew out of my nest, I lived in a bunch of different cities around Los Angeles. Culver City, Studio City, West Hollywood. Downtown became my home because it's more community-oriented. Like, you say hi to your neighbors, you run into them, you chit-chat on the street. It's just a nice feeling where I didn't get that anywhere else. I grew up with that. Knowing my neighbors, they would watch Mm -hmm. our dogs. And coming downtown, that's kind of the environment that I felt very comfortable. Like, my neighbors actually do watch my dog now, and we say hi. And that's what I wanted to bring to downtown by opening up Redline. I wanted that community space. I wanted to have a community meeting space for the LGBT community in downtown. Like I said, eight years of being downtown, and you see the community changing. You see a lot of LGBT members of the community just around, but then you're like, where are they? Yeah. Where do they they go? Yeah, they all disappear Um, into their own little worlds. Yeah. Like, for me, I loved living downtown. I like 
that city feel like not having a car. But the aspect that was missing was that nightlife and that social life. And then so like after a while, if no one was going to do it, fine, I'll do it. You'll do it yourself. Yeah. So you see Red Line not as a nightclub, more of a community space. Yeah. It's more of like that, the community space. It's like, like a lot of our regulars are like, it's our cheers. This is where they know me, they know the staff, everyone that works there. And then we know them. And it's more like building that little Red Line family Mm -hmm. is what I wanted to bring to the table. And you have, and you have, even with the events, I performed at an event at Red Line that um, AHF had right before Proud Fest, which we'll get to. I was like, wow, how cool that Red Line's open to sponsoring a lot of benefits and so forth, where a lot of clubs, you have to beg them, can we please have a benefit here? Because it's always the bottom line, the dollar kind of deal. And I think that brings in the community aspect. Have you always been benefit oriented i feel like that's where i'm lucky because when i was working with nike nike allowed me to really focus on that so when i was a gm for nike i started a run club at the lgbt center the one on highland the homeless youth center Mm -hmm. started a run club there i was able to throw events and nike is a brand that will sell itself we were more of like let's make an experience for the community we are part of it and that's kind of what I loved about it, and I took that away. So when I opened Redline, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to throw events for the community. The money will come. Cross your fingers, the money will come. But you want to make sure that you offer an experience to remember. Mm -hmm. And that's where I come through. And I want to make sure that I'm offering an experience, making sure that I also give back. And I give a forum for fundraisers, for networking events, for community events yeah. that benefit the community. What's your background, by the way? As in, <laughs> as in ethnicity? Ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> what's your mom and what's your daddy? Where they're from. Where are they uh, from? Both of them are from Belize. From Belize. Mm-hmm. My mom has always told me it's always your merit. It's always your work. It's never about the color of your skin. That's always secondary. Which has been the case in some things and which sometimes hasn't. As an owner of a gay establishment in downtown L.A., in the community, and a person of color, have you found that something to navigate or something that you need to prove harder to for you know in the community? Or do you kind of let your work speak for itself? I definitely think, or I hope my work speaks for itself. Yes, I will agree. It is a little more difficult. You get a little more, like, heads tilting to the side of, like, oh, you're the owner? But I just take that as a positive thing. Like, yes, I am. Because Redline could speak for itself. It doesn't need me. My base or persona shouldn't be what comes first. Redline and the experience that they have come first, and that will speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, Oliver, it's my first time at Redline. What would I see? That's a good question. Redline is a different kind of gay bar because we are completely open. There's all windows. So when you walk up to Redline, we're a corner unit and it's all windows. And we did that intentionally because most gay bars are like, oh, no, it's like back corner, dark. We were like, no, no. Times, they are changing. We want to be open and integrated with the city. So we have, like, you walk up and you walk up to a... 15-foot open window, like the entire 
window just opens up so you could sit at a counter and look out to the street. A lot of natural light during the day. You have a nice aesthetic where the bar is. There's like gold tin tile. There's nice granite countertops. It's nice, but comfortable. It's not bougie, Um, (laughs) but it's still done nice. It's like a home. We moved in and we're slowly adding things and changing things and making it a comfortable feel. Well, the space can transform so much, it too. Does. That's what yeah. I like about it, that you can, there's couches over in the corner with lights and stuff, and then you can put out tables all in the middle there, but then you can take away all the tables and make it a whole, yeah, we, whole new atmosphere, too. We definitely transform. It, I guess it all depends on what time you come. Like, yeah. during the day, we have a nice brunch, and you could have, like, bottomless brunch, and then at night, we transform into a full-on dance party. This is Back Chat with Miss Barbecue, your friendly neighborhood drag queen. We are sitting here with the owner of Redline and the president of the Proud Fest DTLA, Mr. Oliver El Puche. Oliver, let's cut over to DTLA Proud Fest. I was on the committee, the arts and culture, and I came in maybe three committee meetings in. So I didn't really get to see the origins of it. Where did the Proud Fest come about? The Proud Fest came about because downtown itself is a changing landscape. And the perception of downtown to the LGBT community is not, um, they don't know what's going on. So in the last year, three gay bars opened up in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to celebrate that. Downtown is so comfortable. I could walk down the street holding hands. I could kiss my boyfriend. It's a neighborhood where I could be myself. That's what we wanted to celebrate. And with all these gay establishments opening up, and there, before the bars, there were tons of restaurants owned by LGBT members. And we kind of wanted just to celebrate that, celebrate what's happening downtown. You have this amazing new, like, revitalization happening, and we just wanted to celebrate. So we got together. Myself, the owner of Precinct, Mattachine, and New Jalisco all came together and we're like, hey, let's do something. We had so much support from the neighborhood, from the historic core, from Persian Square. So everything kind of fell into place. And we're like, okay, we're going to do this. Oliver, describe the experience for our listeners who weren't there. The DTLA Proud Fest experience was amazing. You walked into the historic Persian Square area. It's, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's kind of feels like a fortress, but we really transformed that. And we utilize the space so amazingly. You walked in and there was the main stage. There was the amphitheater full of grass that you could sit and lounge. We had a pop-up water park called Summer Tramp with water slides and pools, um, DJs on each side of the park, food trucks. We had community booths. We didn't have a lot of corporate logos anywhere. It was more just community-based. So we tried to get as many people from downtown to really represent. And hopefully that's what people got from it. But it was a day of just celebrating, of being proud. Even with the name proud, it's evolution. We are proud. There's no like, we have pride. It's we're here and we're excited and we are proud and we're past pride. We're, we're past pride. It's the evolution. It's like, this is it. It could happen anywhere, anytime. I look at the pictures and I remember like everyone was just happy and smiling and of course I love glitter so everything was shiny and glittery <laughs> and it was just 
an amazing experience. And I hope that's what people got out of it. You could feel it. They were having fun. And then when you stop and look, everyone was just smiling and being nice to each other. There wasn't any attitude. There wasn't anything. Everyone was just like, oh, let's just be happy. And it was just a good feeling. There was a general confusion that the Proud Festival was reaction to Christopher Street West. There was. Would you like let's to put it? that to rest. Let's put that, no, let's put no, that to rest. no, and no. <laughs> there was a confusion, but DTLA Proud Festival was not a reaction to what was happening with Christopher Street West Pride. We already had it planning. This goes back, like, when I first opened Redline, we wanted to do a festival to, like, celebrate this new coming to downtown. Of course, when we, we got two days notice that we were going to open, so we couldn't. So we waited a year, and after a year, it's like, oh, you know what? We could do this, and we became good friends with Thor and Brian from Precinct and Garrett from Mattachine. We're like, hey, is this something? I've been part of the community, so like even the historic core was do you guys want to do something downtown? They were so supportive and all these people came together and everything kind of lined up and we're like, yes, let's do this. And then everything happened with Christopher Street Russ. So it wasn't reactionary, but I mean. And how long did you have to do this? We only had three months to pull it off. Three months to do a festival, which usually takes... A A year. year A year to do it. We felt it. Yeah, we did feel it in the crunch, but the results were amazing. I was proud at the Proud Fest. I felt so proud to be a part of it. And the people that was there, the diversity that was there, what was represented there, the air of community as opposed to commercialization, the air of community with the organizations that were there. I think you should be very proud of yourself. Of a job well done. With all the people that were involved and so forth, what was the best part of Proud Fest and what was the worst part of Proud Fest? The best part of Proud Fest is the fact that we pulled it off (laughs) in three months. Mm -hmm. It was an amazing feeling because we stayed true to what we said we were going to. We didn't segue. We didn't let anyone say like, oh, no, this is what you need to do or this is how you do it or this is how you get fundraising. You have to have corporate sponsors. We really stayed true to making sure that it focused on downtown, what's happening here. The entire main stage was programmed by the community that works downtown or is connected to downtown in some way, shape, or form. That was my proudest moment because everyone on the main stage had a connection to the community. And that, to me, is worth celebrating. And that's what we want to go forward is making sure that the festival reflects the community that is downtown and how diverse it is. Um, The worst thing, I think the lines were probably, like... You can tell me. I think, well... (laughs) Oh, no, there's no microphones There's no microphones. Just Give me the tea. Um, It's not the worst thing. Like, I I always... You didn't expect that many people. Yeah, I always... A lot of people were like... They didn't expect oh, no. it to blow up the way it did. So. It was insane, and it was amazing, I think. But see, that's not the worst thing. That's amazing. I know, amazing. That, that's, that's amazing. That's, like, that's an amazing thing, but... It was definitely overwhelming. If anyone saw me there, I was in gym shorts and a tank top because I was supposed to go home and change, and I got there at 9 a.m., and, and I was did. setting up, and I never did. I didn't get home till midnight. 
because it was just so overwhelming. And it was like, no, I don't want to leave. This is amazing. We just need to try to get through these lines. We need to... I was selling tickets out of a messenger bag for drink tickets. We were like... <laughs> Line control, we got through it and we learned a lot this year and mm-hmm. we're going to make it better next year. But it was, yeah, it was just such a good feeling to see so many people come out and I hope they enjoyed it. Get ready for next year. Get ready for next year. This is Back Chat with Miss Barbecue, your friendly neighborhood drag queen. We are sitting here with the owner of Redline and the president of the Proud Fest DTLA, Mr. Oliver El Puche. There's a gleam in your eye when you were talking about the Proud Fest just now. There was a smile that came on your face when you were talking about selling drink tickets out of a messenger bag, which is very improvisational. Yeah. Cor- event <laughs> Probably not the best thing to do, <laughs> but... <laughs> but I noticed there's a gleam that came out of your eye just now that you really enjoy what you do. It's not just a hobby. And yeah. it's not just a one-time thing. I've seen you at Redline. I've seen you out and about interacting with people. What drives Oliver to do what he does? I think it all ties back to like bringing people together and creating the community and that family feeling. I come from a big family, so that's how I operate. I love having, bringing people together and in big groups because, I mean, there's six boys plus their partners plus anytime we have a dinner with the family, it's like 20-something people. Mm-hmm. So I love that feeling. And what you saw is we worked so hard and it paid off. It was so amazing to see everyone come together and everyone smiling and everyone having fun. And that's what drives me. I want to bring people together and I want to see them smiling and happy. It's mm. such a warming notion to come from someone who owns a gay establishment that it isn't about the bottom line or the dollar or the getting a sponsor to sponsor a certain thing. Like a lot of clubs, they get sponsorships from a lot of liquors and stuff, and all of a sudden it's all about the bottom dollar. And I know you're only 15 months in, so you're establishing your foundation. Do you have a plan on how to continue that? In business, there's a lot of negotiations. But I think if you come to the table and say, okay, For a liquor sponsorship, if you're going to come to me, what can I do to give back? So it's more of like, yes, utilizing the connections and utilizing, but make sure you utilize it in a right way. It shouldn't line my pockets. It should be a benefit for everyone. So I do have a lot of great connections with liquor companies, but what I do is, hey, oh, you want to work with us or you want your brand in here? How can we throw a fundraiser. So our next fundraiser is on October 15th because we're going to do a whole nightmare before Christmas and we're going to do a sing-along. So like as I'm doing inventory orders, I look at these brands and be like, oh, hey, we're going to do this event. How can we partner in order to offer something for the community as a discount? So I think Stoli's going to host an open bar for that event. So the community sees the benefit, but then at the end of the day, the event is actually a fundraiser for Toys for Tots, and then they see it as well. It's just making sure that you balance it out. You see opportunity for companies and community to work together, and a lot of people don't see that, or they don't get it, or they don't see the benefit of that, which I think I find is amazing. It's an amazing trait. Oh, thank you. It just goes back to, like, 
setting up the company, making sure that your vision is, you stay true to it. And the same thing that goes with DTLA practice, like making sure when you sit down at the table and you make sure that this is my mission statement, this is how I want to be perceived, and this is, this is what I want to be known for, you just stick to it. And that's your filter. If you ever look at my business plan for Redline, it says creating a nightlife destination for everyone. Okay. And with that is making sure that you have bringing the LGBT scene downtown because it's part of that. And then, like, for GTLA Proudfest, it's making sure we are celebrating what's happening. And when you have all these things come into play, you just use that as your filter. Does this fit in there? If it doesn't, then you have to go back and change it because you need to be true to your word. How good at you are at saying no? Very. <laughs> well, no, I lie. I actually Are you no, good, at, are you good a... at saying no to, like, certain things? It's funny. Someone told me, and I love this saying... At Disneyland, they train their employees to never say no. Because no is not a good response to anything because it's a very direct, like... There's no way around it. Yeah. But that's not how life works. Mm -hmm. So you need to, instead of saying no, it's more of like, okay, well, what can we do? If you ask me a question and the answer is no, it's like, well, I could do this or this. How can we work together to come about it? Even the response is not a no, it's more solution-oriented or it's more let's work together. It might not be the outcome that you want, but there's still possibilities instead of just a no. I saw that you went to the University of California, Monterey Bay. Oh, my God. You really you right? really did dig up <laughs> I did my dig, history. I did dig up your history. You went to University of California, Monterey Bay. Did you always have that mentality of business and so forth back then, too? Or has this been honed over the years? Definitely honed over the years. My career upbringing in retail definitely helped out, I think. What was yeah. your first, 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 first job? In retail. Like a seasonal associate at Banana Republic. <laughs> I Hired for the I holidays. Saw that, I, I, I saw that you were for Banana Republic and Gap, too. Well, it's all the same. It's all brand. the same. They're all yeah. on each other, too. But I so, worked there for seven years, I think. You were? Yeah. Oh, wow. I grew up in the Gap Inc. world and then transferred over to Nike. Are they Old Navy, too? They are. They are. They're Old Navy. I worked for Old Navy, too. <laughs> yes, I did. All the queens work. <laughs> Some yeah. retail. They all did. Where, where'd you get the name for Redline? Redline, we're throwing around the name. And when we were looking for spaces to open up, I think one of the spaces was next to a metro stop. And then, like, you ha- you're having conversations. Um, and I think it was my old business partners. They were having dinner with friends, and they were talking about it. And then... Someone was like, well, why don't you just call it Redline? And I remember he called. He's like, what about Redline? I'm like, it works. It was one of those things where, like, there's nothing wrong with that. It just fell into place. Fits, yeah. Yeah. It just like, fits. You know, every time I, red line. Every time I post on Instagram, I always have to differentiate the Redline Station and but Redline that, Gibar. And I, yeah. and I like that, though. But it goes back, the name itself goes back to the main metro that brings people downtown is the Redline. Mm-hmm. The old red car is actually across the street from where Redline is. The old red car station is right there. The red car was the original light rail that was pulled out in the 50s. So... L.A. had an amazing transit system that went to Pasadena, Santa Monica, back in the day, like back in the 20s. And, of course, when automobiles came, they pulled it all out. 
there's still remnants of it. There's still tracks there's on still the tracks on the, on, the, on the ground on the ground and stuff. I've seen those um, before. But it was a whole network, and they pulled it out. So the red car, the main station is across the street from Red Line. Okay, I love that. You have to point it out to me sometime. Yeah, there's. there's... It sounds like you're all about history too. History. Know where you come from. I yeah. Guess. No. No. Knowing where you're knowing where you come from helps you knowing where you're going. Mm-hmm. There's many ways to look at it, but when I look at Red Line, it's past, present, and future. In LGBT history. With gay marriage and the mainstream of the of, of trans people and so forth like that, where do you see the next frontier, I guess, for the LGBT community, in your opinion? Just off the top of your head. That is a very heavy question. <laughs> like, Hold on. I'm like, I'm not in school anymore. I don't have an essay to write. What? what? Um, and there's still a long way to go. Of course, everyone wants to be treated equal. And everyone should be treated equal. Of course, that's the end goal, right? Mm -hmm. But it's going to take a lot. We're going through tough times as a community right now. Yes, we have made leaps and bounds. From when I was young, I never thought I could get married. That, for me, just came out of nowhere. Like, what? This, This really did happen? Because you grow up in a time where that's not even a possibility. Just to come from that, like, the next steps, like... I would just want to make sure that we have the same rights as everyone else, that every state in the U.S. abides by the same laws and we are treated equal. I don't want anyone to be kicked out from their house. I don't want anyone to lose their job. I want everyone in the LGBT community to have the possibility to adopt kids if they wanted to. For the LGBT community, I don't want any limitations. We are a very strong and thriving community. And I think going forward, and especially for the younger kids, I don't want them to feel limited by anything. A lot of people would say that those struggles has what's made the LGBT community thrive. <laughs> Actually, it's 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 very it's a very it's, true. it's a very odd conundrum because if we didn't have those struggles, we wouldn't fight so hard in our community for things as opposed to if there's nothing to struggle for there's really no thing to thrust people forward I don't want anyone I think I guess like yes we did go like as a community we definitely struggled and I wouldn't want anyone to struggle I think it's more of like what I would want for the next generation is really to focus on the possibilities yes our struggles got us here and we fought for where we are it was very hard, but we could still have the same drive if we put out the possibilities for the younger generation. That absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely, absolutely makes sense, especially appealing to youth and people of color and so forth. Wow. Oh, okay. You got deep real quick. I know, quick. we got deep real quick. We got, yeah, we went, went in big time. Oh, my goodness. Oliver, thank you so much for coming into the studio. Oh, thank you for thank having you, me. Thank you so much. The answers were just profound. And you're a lovely guest. Thank you. thank you to our producer, Steve Pride. And this is Back Chat with Ms. Barbecue, your friendly neighborhood drag queen. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go. Downtown When you've got worries All the noise and the hurry Seems to help, I know Downtown Just listen to the music Of the traffic in the 
Forget all our troubles, forget all our cares. 